Don't care what people say All I want to do is live for today And get ready to be surprised Now it's time to let it all go Feel the love is all there is to know And get ready to be surprised I don't care about the past Old memories turn to dust Baby, get ready to be surprised Nothing's gonna stop me anymore I'm driving on a road I've never seen Guys, this is Richard Sachs. You're back on Lost Arts Radio. Nice to see you again. And uh, we have, as usual, a really unique show that that I wanted to share with you with a friend of ours that I haven't talked to for many years, named Vera Sharov. And um, the reason I wanted to try to get her on the show is that there have been a lot of people talking lately about the comparison between what's going on right now and most of the world. And what was going on, for example, in 1930s Germany and a lot of Eastern Europe and places like that where we refer to it right now as the example of fascism, although Hitler's party was actually a national socialist, but they're they're pretty much the same thing with just slightly different connotations. And um, we're supposed to think of that as the time that the tyranny happened. And now, of course, we have total freedom except you can't say anything that's not acceptable and you can't do things that identify you as unconventional and a lot of other restrictions, but except for the fact that everything you do is surveilled and controlled, it's totally free. And so we're supposed to think of that as a, you know, contrast between these two times, and yet there's a lot of similarities. And the reason that it's valuable to notice that is that based on history and the extrapolation of technology and things that can make history even more that way than they were before it's it helps to predict the future and to decide what to do about it if you see that comparison so vera is one of the people that can help us get that because she was there in certain places during that uh, time of the death camps and all that was going on and the restrictions and the fascism and uh, a lot of it's forgotten and history is not really taught anymore in school, and it's not an accident. So we have a lot to talk about, and uh, welcome, Vera. Thank you for making the time to be here. I really appreciate it very much. So Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's really a pleasure. And um, I think what I'd like to do, since we didn't really in detail talk about your background, but just made, you know, alluded to a couple of, of uh, aspects of it, why don't you go back to that time, first of all, and say, you know, what what it is we're talking about when we say you were there, and then some of the steps between then and now to lead into what you're doing and what it means for the future. Well, I was three and a half years old uh, when we, when our whole world collapsed. Uh, as Jews in Romania, which was one of the occupied countries, Mm-hmm. Nazi Germany. Uh, we were deported uh, to Ukraine. 
Was that in the 30s or early 40s? 41. 41, okay. And the camp was called Mogilev. It's, it was one of more than 2,000 concentration camps. Most people know about Auschwitz. Right. It was certainly a huge um, genocidal factory. But it was not the only one. There were more than 2,000. The camp that we were sent to, where my father died rather within, I think it was probably a half a year, of typhus, which was an infectious disease. Uh, It was rampant in all the ghettos and concentration camps because of the overcrowding and, and lack of all hygienic facilities. What was the name of that disease? Typhus, T-Y-P-H-U-S. Oh, okay, what we call typhus here. You might call it typhus, but it, it pretty right. much, it's pretty much gone. Right. Um, what I learned during three years that I was in the camp, I learned about the nature of evil. I learned about what it's like to live under constant fear because the threat of death was always there, even though this camp was not a death camp per se. It was more, you were left to starve, and from time to time they would take people for forced labor. Uh, but we knew about the death. Um, the fear that I had throughout was, of course, to be separated from my mother, because that was my only parent. And also, I, I remember that there was an orphanage. And every so often, when those children were taken out, I ran for, the, for my life. <laughs> they were skeletons. They were exactly the kind of pictures that people have seen after the Holocaust. This was an orphanage outside the camp or inside it? Inside the camp. Okay. It was uh, a ramshackle, I mean, when you say orphanage. Uh, But still, in other words, they had no family, no parent at all, and so someone took care of them. But they were starving. They were absolute skeletons, and I was terrified of that. What, I don't want you to lose your train of thought, but just to add a little bit of depth to what you're saying, what kind of living accommodations were you and your mother in? Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was like on straw, uh, mattresses, whatever. I, I, you know, after all, I was a very young child, so I have no idea. I knew my mother um, kept selling her clothes to get a few... Uh, it was, in other words, this camp was not regimented the way some of the others were. Okay. They didn't get around to um, to tattooing us. Okay. They didn't get around oh. to shaving the women's heads and all, all of those. Well, they didn't do that. Uh, so it was more or less, it was really, we were just left to starve. Okay. And, and I mean, who could she find with money that she would sell? Close to that. That would be to some of the 
the guards, okay, girlfriends and whatever. There was all sorts of, there were many more people involved in the whole uh, industrialized Holocaust than just the SS. I mean, that this was many, many uh, civilians were involved, too. Coming from the outside. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was rescued in 44, just when the final solution was really in full swing. And uh, I was rescued along with several hundred, I'm not sure exactly really the number or anything. Um, Essentially, our lives were bartered for cash. Hmm. Uh, And this was bartered for cash to the Romanian authorities, not the Hitler. And so we were allowed to come back to Romania. And it, it was stipulated we had to have a relative. They tried to make it appear as if it was by mistake these children were sent away. Right. So who paid the ransom? Was it I, the ransom? You know something? I, you were I pretty young. Not sure. Yeah, no. Okay. I, I <laughs> imagine it, there's several Jewish agencies you okay. know, them from Palestine, whatever. Sure. So then I had an odyssey of about 10 months in Romania. Uh, along the way, well, it was at first it was with the other orphans. You know, we were uh, first we left the camp in in one of those cattle cars that people may have seen. Yeah, that was the um, the transport. But then in Romania, I remember that there were uh, open trucks. And one of the things that I learned as a little girl on my own in transit was I relied on the kindness of strangers. Mm-hmm. And one of the strangers who helped me, and I did find people to help me, was a Romanian Christian couple who took me into their home. And nursed me back to health. Had your mother died in the camp? No, my mother eventually survived. But we were separated for a long time. Okay, okay. Um, then the, the, the final destination was really to be Palestine at that time. It was before the State of Israel was established. And on a train to the um, harbor city, Constanza, uh, I befriended a family. But when we got there, there were three small boats waiting to take us. And I was ordered to my assigned place, which was the boat with the children. I refused. I absolutely refused because I wanted to go with the family that I had befriended. I trusted them to take care of me. I knew that I can't take care of myself. And I also knew that 
peers, you know, children. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was little and I couldn't fend for myself. So I other six year olds. Yeah. Yeah. So was that family going to where you were going? Yeah. There were, in other words, uh, some adult families also, and they paid their way. That was in Romania. There was this, you know, black market kind of thing. Right. So you were escaping Romania at that time and getting away. I was I had passage to go. In other words, I was part of this. The rescued orphans. So okay, I. But, but why did they want to leave Romania and go to Palestine? Oh, everybody, any Jew wanted to leave Romania. Well, that's what I'm getting at. That's why I said escape. There was no. You see, by that time, of course, in Germany, you couldn't escape. Okay. They totally closed the borders. Right. But Romania and, you know, some of these other countries, they. Uh, while they were under the Nazi regime, they still, they had authority within the country, really. Okay, okay. You know, you can think of it of the federal government and the state. Yeah, it was it, some, There's overlap, there's... Uh, but it was semi-independent of, of the federal government. But, they, you know, but... There were Nazis around there. I mean, it wasn't as if they weren't there. It's just, it was, I guess, look, from their perspective, I have no idea. It was as if there was an understanding. There are certain things that the Romanian officials do, and they don't interfere. So the Jews were trying to get out of that situation and get to a place that wasn't locked down at all. That's right. Which at that time was Palestine. Yeah. Well, yes and no. Palestine was under, you know, British mandate and they also on and off closed the country but better than romania but this transport evidently had been arranged okay um not that much is written about it i mean i've searched and all that and and others have too but this is the real what i'm getting at a lesson the most important lesson that i learned uh, as I said before, I learned to trust strangers to help me. Right. Kindness of strangers. This is, this is, in other words, though there are people who remain human in an inhumane society. Yeah. And you never know who they might be. You've got to kind of use your intuition, I guess, right? I very strongly believe in one's instinct about mm-hmm. people. About people. Uh, as I was screaming and crying and crying and crying as everybody else embarked on their assigned boat, I was left there all alone. Cried her, but absolutely refused to obey. Hmm. Finally, finally, I had my way. They gave in, and I went with the family. That act of disobedience saved my life. Right, I can imagine. Uh, the first night that we were out at sea, we were headed toward Istanbul. Okay? Of course, the blacks. I was asleep. I, I used to get very seasick. 
But that night, in the middle of the night, a submarine torpedoed the boat with all the children. Was that a separate boat than the one that you were on? Yes, that's okay. what I said. I, I thought it was know. parts of the same boat. Okay. No, no, no. There were three boats. And the list, you know, the authorities read the list, right, left, whichever. I, I just I got it. Wow. Wow. Okay. And the next morning when I heard what had happened, I didn't say a word. But I integrated it. I said to myself, I was right. Yeah. I also had a pang of guilt because I was glad that I was right. It's, you know, at six, six and a half to take that in. That's a heavy load. Yeah. It's a very heavy load. That you were unable to save the other kids, in other words. No, I would. How could I save them? No, and nobody, they couldn't save them because each boat was overloaded as it is. Right. This is not, you know, a luxury liner. Yeah. Um, all right. That lesson, although I wasn't, uh, it hasn't always been in front of my conscience, but it has been there and it has certainly come back during what's going on now. Because hmm. first thing with the COVID pandemic is we were told to listen to the experts. Yeah. And follow their recommendations without question. That brought up that memory. And of course, it was brought up because time and time again, the experts were absolutely wrong. The experts generated fear. Uh, and fear is exactly what the weapon, the psychological weapon that the Nazis used. Did they call them experts back then? No, authorities. Just authorities in general, basically. Uh, the point is, okay, uh, that if we talk about today, look, at that time, Jews were demonized as spreaders of disease, of in- spreaders of infectious disease. Right. That was the uh, rationale. That was why you had to fear them. That is why we had to wear a yellow star of David to be identified with a badge of shame. As if we would defile the Aryan race. Right. Okay. And so uh, today, as we have seen, this is all recorded. I mean, uh, the experts totally, totally miscalculated, or at least they pronounced that the deaths from COVID would be just unbelievably high. Well, that was just totally wrong. Yeah, Biden, and, Biden clarified that on video. It was only 200 million dead in America so far. Well, but <laughs> <laughs> only 200 million. Right. I mean, you see how this goes. At, yeah. Yes. Okay, the point is that they're using, they're using the same psychological weapons to maintain a state of fear, to have, I regard the masks, which literally more than 200 studies show they are not 
good for your health. Right. I regard the masks as the symbolic equivalent of the yellow star. They yeah. demean us as, as free human beings. Right. And they really, they inculcate in children a distrust of people, a, mm. a, an inability to read faces, to read smiles. That's so important. It implies that faces are dirty also. And the person is someone you have to stay away from. Right. This is so, you know, we're talking about the similarity between the two times. The spirit of it seems to be very much coming from the same place, but the technology is added onto, onto it on a level that people don't grasp. So the masks are coming out of the packages contaminated from many companies. It's been microscopically photographed now. Okay. I mean, There's so many aspects of it that call the lie to the claim that this is for our protection or our neighbor's protection. It's right. nonsense. Right. The fact, though, that it, people believe it is where propaganda comes in. Okay. And that's, yeah. again, a parallel. Under the Nazi regime, propaganda machine was in constant swing, constant, constant hammering. And that's what's going on now. So how did they do it then, just to let people know that well, the, internet, all, the were, Internet did not always exist? No, they had radio. Yeah. They had radio and they had newspapers and they had those who delivered and cried out what was on the headlines. And they had, yeah. they had lots of ways of telling people what to think and what to do. Right. They were very adept at that. As a matter of fact, hmm. okay. We'll get to technology in a second. Okay. Because the, the, two, the two major factors that make the Holocaust unique from all other genocides. First is the complicit uh, partnership of the medical establishment, the entire medical establishment, the academic, the institutions, the societies, everyone in the medical field supported, endorsed, and was involved in mass murder. I don't think that medical murder. I don't think that's widely known. No, now. I know it's not. And so anything you want to say about that would be extremely educational for people, I think. No, of course. Um, American, the American medical establishment for decades pretended that the Nuremberg Code doesn't apply to them because that's only for the Nazi barbarians. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they did not acknowledge the, this was not that the doctors were under duress, really. They volunteered. There were more medical doctors in the Nazi party than any other profession. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, the second thing is IBM. Okay? Technology. Mm. IBM was an absolute 
partner in the genocide. They made it possible. And they were based in America at that time, right? Uh, yeah, oh, New York. New York, okay. Uh, Watson, the CEO, approached Hitler at the very start of his takeover in January 1933 and offered to customize the IBM punch card technology to Hitler's specifications. Hitler wanted to know, the very first thing he wanted to know was how many Jews reside in Germany. So IBM hired thousands of staff to do, to conduct a door-to-door census, a racial census. And based on that information, they were then able to identify every Jew, first in Germany and then throughout the occupied countries. And to round up, to segregate, to deport, transport, and eventually to exterminate. This was IBM efficiency made it all possible. IBM uh, technology was used to schedule the death trains to make sure they arrive as scheduled. Those who were transported in those cattle cars either suffocated to death because they were just shoved in by the thousands, or they were exterminated upon arrival. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. IBM machines were at most of the concentration camps to track the prisoners. IBM devised codes for cause of death. Starvation, beatings, uh, work to death, or extermination, or shooting. They had a code for everything. IBM today, you know, it provided, it was the prototype then for what technology is today. IBM continues to be one of the major uh, providers of surveillance technology. Right now, you mean? Right now. Yeah. In fact, uh, Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, contracted IBM for the health pass. <laughs> wow, that's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Oh, there are, as I say, I've gone through the, it's very painful to, you know, <laughs> but I felt I had to do it. Yeah, it's not just an academic subject. No, no, this is not academic at all. This is, in other words, what what I think is very difficult for most people to contemplate, to comprehend, is evil. Most of us are not yeah. evil people, and so we cannot imagine that people actually do plan and instigate and carry out, yeah, heinous crimes. Right, and it's not all for profit. Some of them just do it because they like to cause pain and suffering and death. No, no, they have, there's always profit. 
There's always profit. Right. IBM profited tremendously. They had a monopoly. And Watson made 1% on all, every profit. Oh, you mean him personally? Yes. Kind of like a commission for setting it up. Yes. This is not, you know, this happens now all the time. I mean, while people uh, lost their jobs, while local businesses closed, guess who profiteered? The big techs, Amazon, and they personally, yes. That's right. $2.2 trillion in 2020. Yeah, just as a reward for helping us, right? Well, the others, you know, in other words, our pain is their gain. Right, exactly. This is something that runs through history. Every war has its profiteers. Right. And uh, the Nazis were, as I say, with IBM and the medical profession, they were very efficient. This was one of the things that historians for many years couldn't understand. How were they able to carry out the final solution, which was between 40, end of 43, 45? It was a very short time. And it was only when Edwin Black put together found the evidence of IBM. That's what made it possible. They would have been murderous, you know, genocide as, as Hitler had planned, but he couldn't have carried out on that massive scale. Well, he also rapid. got a lot of help from the banks as well, right? So, uh, you know, this is because they were, they were doing other, you know, they were doing mass shootings and all that in Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh but that wasn't the industrial, you know, ness. It wasn't with the doctors there at the concentration camps, at the death camps. The doctors chose. They made the selections. Who is to be exterminated, who is to be slave labor, and who is to be used for experiments. So looking at the psychology of the doctors for a minute, since doctors are pretty much, you know, human beings, so what happened to them? that most of them were willing to participate in that? Uh, I have talked a great deal about this. And my contention is that when doctors become government agents, when they go into public health, Mm -hmm. that's when they become government agents. Yeah. They discard. They discard their moral and personal responsibility under the Hippocratic Oath, which is to first do no harm. Mm-hmm. Because now their focus has shifted from the individual patient to the greater good, so-called. Who defines the greater good? Yeah. And not only that, the, the fallacy in that is that a society, the greater good, is far better off when its individuals are respected. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, it carries a, over to society. It's kind of a paradoxical thing, which is what was so great about starting a country based on individual freedom. That's the right. thing. This was brilliant. Exactly. It's the individual that you have to value. The minute 
some individuals, and this is, of course, where we're getting into eugenics, which is the is the that's the real virus. Eugenics is the virus since the you know end of nineteenth century until today. Public health is governed by eugenics. Well, it's interesting that you're talking about the greater good. I'm involved in the academic world too, and that's what's taught. It's like our our highest potential contribution is to work for the greater good. And if you want to be a real scientist, instead of the old definition where scientists questions everything, yes. including what they believe, and they're happy to change if it turns out something else is true, right. that's, that's been replaced. Yes. Now science is defined as memorizing acceptable points of view and working not for yourself or for anybody else, but for the greater good, which is, of course, is defined by the agencies that are above you. Greater good winds up being the greater good of the medical monopoly. Yeah, but but all the individuals are expendable. Yes, and they decide which individuals. And we we saw this, uh, I mean, if we talk extensively, we'll get to it. The nursing home... The nursing home slaughter is a perfect example of it's an absolute chilling parallel to what was the. Let me explain. The first victims of the Holocaust were not Jews. They were disabled infants and children, German infants and children. Yeah. And. Doctors selected them for medical murder. Just if that one sentence was assimilated by people who are listening, that could change everything. That's right. I mean, the magnitude of that, the doctor starting out with more of this Hippocratic attitude, you know, that I'm just coming in to help everybody and certainly it would never be doing it to hurt them. And then there's a gradual morphing into a different point of view and philosophy, right? It, it, it was as horrible as horrible could be. Some of those babies were even used in starvation experiments before mm-hmm. they died mm-hmm. so that the doctor could record how long a child of a certain weight could survive without food. Okay, now the people that set up that experiment, what was the reason they wanted to know that? This was, it's very much, look, this is, eugenics is a utilitarian uh, ideology. It's, you know, cost, cost effectiveness. In other it's, words, how, how quickly can we get rid of Yeah, it's expediency. Yeah. And the next group were the mentally ill. Okay? And then the third group were the nursing home residents. All of these three populations were regarded as worthless eaters. Right. That's a very familiar phrase. And it, it's interesting. People need to understand that that was who it actually initially uh, in, in you, so that could be where Kissinger and people like that got it from, is from its use during World War II or before. This is, uh, and you see, at a certain point, when they began to take the nursing home residents, they had created 
medical institutions whose job was murder. Yeah. There were there was some public outcry, particularly Catholic um, priests gave some sermons, and some of them were, in fact, sent off to concentration camp. But this program, which was Action T4, T4 was merely a designation of the address where the... Uh, the particular agency that was handling this, that had planned all this. So it had to go underground. It, it no longer could be an official policy. But it continued. It continued. And there were three objectives, really. One was to clean the genetic pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other was, okay, experiments and whatever, but the the other excuse was to free up the beds, especially the nursing home beds, for wounded soldiers and to get rid of the economic burden of feeding worthless eaters. Right. Those were three objectives, really. They also had heroes in the U.S. and Britain, right, in the eugenics movements there. Well, the, the eugenics movement, it, it really moved from the United States to, to Germany. The, um, you know, the, the, the first part, which the Germans, I mean, uh, Hitler decried the fact that the United States was um, sterilizing many more than they were there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and some of the major corporate owners in America supported the eugenics um, university uh, courses in Germany. Carnegie, Ford, Rockefeller, of course. Right. So um, there was more knowledge, I would say, of what was going on in Nazi Germany than the West, you know, UK and the United States ever admitted to. Right. Didn't Hitler give a medal to Margaret Sanger, too? Did no. what? He gave a medal to Margaret Sanger, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, right. they gave, they gave uh, you know, of course, uh, to uh, Watson and all that. I mean, yeah. yeah they, they did bestow medals and, and yeah, honorariums and things, yeah. Right, okay. Um, Where else do you want us to go? Well, uh, the the point is parallels, I think. And um, yeah. the spirit, you know, the reason I asked about what happened to the doctors and in their attitude, and you said they, they kind of okay. made a gradual change because they became uh, government agents, which is that's public health, right? Yes, that's public health. But there is the other thing, too. And that is the way uh, medical students are taught. Uh, and this was adopted in America, too, way early, when Rockefeller took over medicine in 1913, right. which was to adopt the German way of teaching, which is very much authoritarian. 
up, down. You do not question your professor. Memorize what's true and don't. You, you, yes, you follow what. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see, I see. So you see, so that that already kind of uh, it demotes the human individual. Right. They began to look at humans really as biological conglomerates. I was told by a college teacher in in a health class that um, if I wanted to be a real scientist, I should make sure I had no opinion and no emotion. Oh, you see, there you go. That's current time. Yes, but that is a carryover. This is not radical new. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. This is not radical new. This is, uh, yeah, the the establishment. Now, individual doctors... We used to have individual doctors practicing alone, right? Just, just like individual teachers, yeah, same thing. You used to have individual doctors. You had, let me just say that the Hippocratic Oath, aside from first do no harm, it absolutely requires confidentiality. Right. The doctor is warned when he leaves a patient's house, he must not say a word that he heard there. Exactly. Now we have all electronic records. EMR. And this was very much forced by the government on the medical standalone professionals. Sold for efficiency, yeah. Yes, supposedly for efficiency. Now, we know, aside before COVID and all that, that those records, those uh, databases have been hacked a zillion times. Right. And they make laws that nobody can say anything because it's so secret. Yeah. It's called HIPAA. And the whole HIPAA is, is a joke because really you are, you're not, they're not promising you privacy. On the contrary. No, they share saying- those records with whatever agency they want. And then there are all these others who know how to hack for all sorts of profit. It's just you know, saying that individual regular people can't ask about it. Or That's right. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. So the, the, the erosion of us as free citizens uh, who are the ones who should be having the oversight over all of this is already for a long time been chipped away. Right. Right. And now doctors for doctors are prohibited from prescribing therapeutic treatments that they know to be safe and effective right COVID. especially they're, if they're free and they don't hurt you or cheap and don't hurt you i mean yeah. anything yeah. that's non-patented is viewed by people like bill gates as you know anathema of course yeah it's not scientific this medical government monopoly was created with what they call public-private partnerships. Partnerships, Those partnerships totally eliminate you and me and everyone else watching from the scene at all. But our information, all that is very valuable and that they share and do whatever. So they have a monopoly. It's a dictatorial monopoly. That's part of the purpose of another name for 
private par- public partnerships, right? Which is fascism. Yes, it it ushers it in because yeah. these same tech companies and pharmaceutical companies; these are the two major, major. Uh, in, in, they're the players in in these partnerships. Then, yeah, there's also the arms industry, but that's separate. That you know what armament is, but this is not supposed yeah. to be weapons, right? Yeah, it's, it's serving humanity. They also, but the, what they also have are secret contracts with the intelligence agencies, with the CIA. Right. Okay, right, so right, right. that overlapping should tell you right away that this is a very dangerous stew. That's the same thing that you could say about media now, isn't it? Yes. That's right. The media helps to promote. <laughs> The what these uh, public-private partnerships want them to promote. Right, right, and and they hire people as actors for anchors and commentators who look like they're really sincere. Yeah. They're they're great at the right tone of voice and the facial expression. They really want to help you and save you from misinformation. And yeah, no, they get the scripts. Yeah, exactly. and you could see that you can turn from one to the other, and they're all the same words. Like the same thing. So yeah. that's that's the, the third major, uh, you know, non-armament per se uh, weapon that the Nazis used was they were masters at propaganda. Yeah. And that's exactly what we have going now. In fact, the famous statement from, was it Goebbels that Goebbels. said, tell the biggest lie that you can? Because if it's small, people might question it. Well, you know, it's interesting because Stalin had another thing, which same kind of thing. He said, a death is a tragedy. A million is a statistic. Yeah. So always try for the million instead of one. Right. right. Don't bother with it right. because then you might foul it up. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that these kind of similarities, the thinking is that's evil. To me, that's the kind of personification yeah. of evil, that th- there is nothing, no reason, no humane reason, no acceptable reason for that kind of thinking. And these are the people in control. Right. So then that brings you automatically to the question of why did everybody or so many people go along with it and think that, you know, there was nothing that needed to be changed? This is now, I've heard people now saying, oh, now we understand why the Germans fear. Why are people in New York City and everywhere walking around outside in masks? Right. Or in their car, in their car by themselves, too. Sitting alone on a, on a park bench. Yeah. In, in um, I forget which place in California. Somebody was arrested for swimming in the ocean without a mask. I yeah. Mean, the yeah. insanity to which people go simply to obey. And you immediately get police enforcement. Right. That's eugenics. Okay, oh. that, that brings up another intermediate question is, you need police to go along with this, and that worked in Nazi Germany and the other countries there, and it's working here really well. So why do the police seem to be fine with it? Why are they part of it? Why do they not 
see anything there are wrong some. I, there, there have been in Canada. There was an instance where the police uh, said they refused to um, enforce, and um, in England, in the UK, I saw a big demonstration, and the police wound up running away. Did they have a problem with that in in the Nazi situation? I doubt it. You know, I mean, I doubt it. Uh, They would, there were people, I I don't think the police, but there were people who refused. There was, for example, a group, the White Rose, they were called. Mm -hmm. This was primarily medical students. Hmm. All they did was hand out leaflets. Every one of them was killed. There were pockets. There were pockets. Uh, But obviously too few. And there comes a point where people really are totally helpless. You can only... That's why... Right now, there's still a small window. If we don't have people rebel now, they won't be able to ever. Right. Because the technology today is so much more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. You won't have to smell the smell of bodies. They will do it with drones, you know, remote. Right. And I'm afraid that... um, there's a lot of a lot of scientists, including former vice president of chief scientist of Pfizer, mm-hmm. who are saying that the vaccines are terribly, terribly dangerous. They yeah, weapons. They've killed more than nine eleven now, and and most of the death is expected to be later. Yeah, and there's a lot is happening already. Right. Not yeah. telling you the numbers. And that's the other thing. When I began, I said, you know, the experts giving you numbers. Well, you can't trust the numbers at all now. No. At right. first, at first, look, what happened to the influenza, to the flu deaths and to pneumonia deaths in 2020? It disappeared. Isn't that amazing? It was amazing. It's probably because it, people were so much healthier from the masks. Right? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you see, that's just it. You get a shifting of the numbers and yeah. the attribution. They needed to borrow those death numbers. And uh, now they're kind of doing the opposite because now that people are getting vaccinated, they're not supposed to be any deaths. They're not supposed to be any No, but, the, they, but they've but got they the built-in new wave when the people start dying in large numbers from the vaccine. Oh, now it's from a new wave, but not, not from... Right. This, all right, this is how long are people going to accept... The narrative. How much of, of the acceptance do you think is because the people believe the health narrative? That it really do, is just, it's, you know, yeah, you have your inalienable rights, but you just have to give them up for the moment because there really is an emergency. And if you don't do this, everybody's going to spread seeing, the disease. But wait, but we're already seeing. The head of Pfizer said we probably will need a third vaccine. <laughs> of course, this is this is a huge cash cow. You can have punch cards on your vaccine passport, right? See, this is that now. That is really not only for the vaccine. This becomes really the total surveillance mm-hmm. 
And one can see it in China. And we were told, Anthony Fauci and, and who else, they, they all at first, they said, we have to follow the Chinese model. Yeah. What American in their right mind would want to live <laughs> under communist China? Because they're so much more ahead of us in efficiency. and Oh, yeah. They're, they're totally even. surveillance. Yeah. There, if you misbehave, that's it. You can't go to the grocery store. You can't get any money out of the bank. You can't do anything. Right. That's where this is headed, if we allow it to. If yeah. we allow it to, it, it's happening. So somehow you have to get from everybody believing and going along with it to the opposite in time. People have to somehow say, well, wait a minute. So I took the vaccine, but I'm still supposed to be in a mask and I still have to not go here and not go there. And, and schools are, where children were completely, really infinitesimal as far as being affected by COVID. And yet now they're, they want to vaccinate the children. And the right. children have been deprived of an education for 14 months. That I consider a crime against humanity. Right. That is such a horrendous deprivation. And they couldn't be around anybody. This was clearly the... All the various draconian uh, restrictions that we have been living under, that we and, and like yo-yos, you know, one day it's closed, mm. one day it's open. This is a psychological experiment of the worst order. It is. I was thinking the other day about the Milgram experiments. Why don't you tell people about that in case they don't know? Yeah, Professor Milgram. Um, <laughs> designed a study in which half the students were to be guards in a prison and half the mm. students would be prisoners. And lo and behold, what happened, not with much prodding, there was some prodding, the uh, prison guards really started to act like prison guards. And then they were told to give electric shocks to the misbehaving prisoners. And this was, this was a, uh, as I said, an experiment. The guards didn't know really what the purpose was. They didn't know that this wasn't real electricity. But they were told, they were ordered by the supervisor to increase the voltage, increase the voltage. And on the other side, where they couldn't see, they were, in other words, the prisoner and the guard were separated. But the prisoner would scream as if in pain. Yeah. And the, the guard would say, oh, I don't want... And the, all that he'd hear from the voice of the supervisor go along with the protocol. That's what you have to do. And well, they kept doing it. And they were wearing a white coat, right? They were what? They were wearing a white coat. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. So they did have to be obeyed. And, so, and I think they had a name tag that said doctor something. Uh-huh. Okay. I didn't know every particular, but, you know, yeah. it, this, this was repeated in another context also, a uh, similar sort of thing. Now, he, 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 the irony is that Milgram was 
absolutely uh, pummeled for doing this study. And I felt, hey, in fact, nobody really was hurt. He proved, he proved what human beings will do if they just obey orders. That it's, and it's been repeated in various ways, not, not with electric shock, but, and this wasn't really electric shock. I mean, they thought that it was. Yeah, yeah. So the anger was uh, those, uh, maybe lawyers, I don't know, advocating for the guards uh, that uh, you, you shamed them, you know. But hey, this was to show what, what human nature is like. That if you give someone authority to be a bully, to be a torturer, they will do it. Yeah, so, I mean, taking the full benefit of, of that lesson and what it means, yes. you, you brought up the phrase that's famous now from the Nazi soldiers and guards and doctors, and that phrase is just, I was just following orders, and it right. was used in, unsuccessfully at the Nuremberg trials to try to get out of punishment for these things, um, not, not knowing that most of the criminals from the Nuremberg trials actually got, went back to work or got hired by the U.S. and other countries. Uh, right. In, I, I uh, want to point out that one of the reasons that the medical establishment and public health, of course, don't like to even mention Nuremberg Code, uh-huh. okay, is precisely, first of all, the code is very, very explicit. Anyone any language can understand it. The words are very crystal clear. They speak about experiment, not study. Right. They speak about being a subject, not a participant, as they like to do in right. NIH. Right. And they, okay, and doctors are individually culpable. They're held accountable. That doesn't happen. And what it requires is true informed consent. That's right. Right. And people don't even know what that means anymore. You see, these, this is so foundational. I call the Nuremberg Code as immutable as the Ten Commandments. You can't change it. Because it was part of a legal decision, which has never been questioned. On the contrary, it has been cited in the United States several times. There are many lawsuits being prepared currently, which will be using the Nuremberg Code as their main defense. It's very, very, it is absolutely, it, cr- it crosses boundaries. It is in effect in wartime and peacetime. Since the wording is really important in that, and you said it can't be changed. Yes. And you said the word experiment, for example. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's commonly misunderstood is that a treatment is not okay to do to people, especially without consent, if it's experimental. But that's not the point, because the government can just say, oh, the experiment's over, now it's approved. Well, that's just as bad. And and the informed consent means that not only do you need consent, you need to be informed of the things that could happen to you 
as a result of the treatment, right. whether it's called experimental or not, right? However, as of now, the entire COVID vaccination experiment, because this is an experiment, it is a phase three trial. Yeah, emergency it listed, use authorization. It, it is the, 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 those vaccines are listed on the government website, clinicaltrials.gov, right. as currently testing the safety, uh, uh, efficacy, um, I forgot what, um, immunogenicity and efficacy. Okay, right. all four things are being tested right now. They are, so this is an experiment. It is, in fact, the, the greatest assault on the Nuremberg Code globally by this, you know, this cabal companies. Yeah, I, companies I totally And governments to, that are ordering it. And yes, you're, at, of course, absolutely right. As far as informed consent, people are not informed. They're lied to in the, the straight I mean, out lied to that this is approved. No, it's not. Uh, emergency authorization is not approved. <laughs> right. I'm just making the point yes. that if they say, well, people are catching on to that. So I know what we'll do. We'll say it's approved and yeah. then nobody can complain. And I'm saying that not won't true. make any difference. Not true. It, informed consent means you're supposed to be told how many people died. That's the other thing. In a real, you know, in, in an ethical experiment. Mm-hmm. If during the trial, the treatment is causing harm, serious harm, right? That's you're supposed to stop the experiment. That's why they have IRBs and institutional review boards to even show. without the IRBs and the one to stop. They have to stop. That's you know again the doctors right. are responsible. Now everyone involved, the companies, yeah, distributors, and the. Doctors, nurses, practitioners, anyone who is administering these vaccines is has been given government immunity from all liability. That's right. And so the and only that, one at risk is you and I. Is the subject, yeah. Exactly. If you would, if, now, what about, you mentioned 1910, 1913. That was the period during which the Carnegie and Rockefeller Foundations were establishing the monopoly of allopathic yeah. medicine based on the drugs that they would produce. Mm-hmm. And, the, and it was problem-reaction-solution in that the drugs were produced to be toxic and cause other problems that they would then have the solution to, and it would be a continuing cycle. All, all of those poisonous chemicals that are euphemistically termed medicine, even if they're approved, which is just a you know, bureaucratic function, those are still subject to informed consent according to the Nuremberg Code, aren't they? Oh, yeah. It really, the, the, the whole point was to hold doctors tighter to control. Right. That they should not, they should not exempt themselves from their personal, professional, and moral responsibility. So isn't doctors it because... Held, go ahead. Sorry if I interrupt. No, that's fine. That's, that's a habit. I'm the one who's interrupting anyway, officially. Oh, no. um, one of the things, really, let's remember, why do we trust doctors? Doctors are the have been the most trusted profession because of their taking the oath of the Hippocratic Oath. Now, 
as we know, today medical schools are sort of, they've, they've, they've changed the Hippocratic Oath to fit the <laughs> current whatever. Uh, right. They've taken things out. They, they've added. And let me tell you another thing that your, your viewers may be interested in. How did the Hippocratic Oath in the first place, how did it happen? The Greeks were far more uh, savvy about human nature and about the danger that medicine could be used for. Mm -hmm. So that the a student who wanted to enter medical school had to swear first that they would do no harm, that they would not use the the secret that they would be learning in medical school, that they wouldn't apply them for ill. Right. And that's a very big, this was never done actually in the West. It was at graduation, it was sort of a uh, an added thing, you do the Hippocratic Oath. But then it's too late. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, would you agree that all of these toxic chemicals that are called medicine that they've been giving mostly in pill form, but they've been injecting some of it too since that system took over between 1910 and 13, that unless they tell you with every pill that you take, what could happen to you? Those are all violations of the Nuremberg code. There are violations also. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly, I mean, the doctor's, are supposed to tell you, but if they are given this dictatorial uh, power and mm-hmm. status, they just don't bother. You know, um, yeah. I first uh, realized the enormity of that when I was doing research about psychiatric drugs, and I was reading. This had to do with um, Zyprexa, Eli Lilly's antipsychotic. And it was causing diabetes. Yeah. And I came across the fact that I didn't know that Eli Lilly is the major supplier and, and manufacturer and of diabetes treatment. Right. So I thought, oh, my God. That means that the scientists at Eli Lilly knew. Yeah. They knew before it was ever brought to market that this would, because they were the, ex, they're the experts in the world on it. We've so of heard course from, they do. We've heard but, from the scientists that if they come up with a suggested chemical for approval as a drug and it doesn't cause all these side effects, it's not accepted. Well, it, you see, it get, it's gotten very far. The point is, though, that it did get approved and it did cause what it could. But it, but these are blockbusters, they call them. These yeah. are multi-billion dollar sellers. And right. so then it makes it all right. Never mind how many lives are ruined. Right. So the doctors and others are shown, if you go along with this, here's all the benefits you're going to get all these perks in your life and, you know, have a, be a member of the elite 
that everybody looks up to. Mm-hmm. And if you go against it, you lose everything. So it's totally your choice. Oh, yeah, what, right. What would you like to do? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, heads, I, heads you win, tails I lose. I mean, it's no matter yeah. what. Yeah. 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 It's a catch-22. Um, but it's gotten really um, as bad as it has when government got really involved. And I do want to say something else, which is that individual doctors have never caused the kind of casualties, human casualties, that public health has. Mm -hmm. A bad public health policy affects hundreds of thousands, millions. One incompetent doctor, how many people can he hurt? So the whole thing makes no sense at all. We are much safer if we we're just dealing with a doctor, right? Where we have the choice which doctor we want to go to and whatever, and we can compare one doctor to another. But now with all the HMOs and all that, you know, there's no choice in anything. Everything is dictated. There used to be individual doctors that would use their own wisdom and experience. They would come to your house, I remember, and they would, you know, do try to figure out based on what they had seen what you really needed. I mean, they, they were still lost in the drug world, but it was at least individual. Still, yeah. And no, the thing about that, what happened was really, as you pointed out, you see, the scientists, okay, the scientists, both in the medical establishment and in the pharmaceutical and in the uh, government health agencies, mm-hmm. they, they started to make a, you know, like a religion out of controlled clinical trials. And statistical significance, that totally eliminates the individual. That doesn't count anymore. It's Is it statistically significant? They don't care if it is clinically significant. And that goes both ways, whether it's clinically helpful, therapeutic, or clinically damaging. That doesn't count. If If they can manipulate the numbers, the statistics, they don't care. Yeah, the statisticians have a lot of power, and they can eliminate from the study anybody based on certain yeah. criteria that doesn't come out with the result they want. Well, they they hide behind um, uh, con- that that the information is confidential. Never mind that they're using human beings, and they're not telling neither the human beings nor uh, nor IRBs nor anyone really. They yeah. they play around. They have the control and it's funny when i first when i first started to uh get involved in in these medical issues and the term controlled clinical trial i immediately assumed oh yeah the companies control the clinical trials mm-hmm. well at that time that was like they <laughs> i was laughed at you know i told to a doctor he said no vera it, it means that the tri- i but now I, I went back to him i said hey who was right yeah <laughs> that's yeah. what it is they control it and they don't let go of data because they don't want anyone to compare whether they're telling right. the truth. People think these health agencies, these government agencies, check everything for safety when it's approved. No. They don't check anything. They, they let the drug company or the vaccine company check it and tell them what happened. Yeah. They say, oh, that's great. It's safe. And then they make money off of what the vaccine and drug companies sell. Yeah, it's a very controlled business. And the ones who have the huge uh, 
gain to be made are the ones who are controlling it. Right. So how could it be clean and open? It's not. So why don't we look at the narrow window that you said was still there and what would have to happen to use it? We'd have to say no more. End of, end of this whole dictate. Right. So what has to change in the psychology of the both on two categories, the doctors and the public health officials on one side mm-hmm. and the average person in society yeah. on the other side? The, the blocks are psychological. Because you can say they just have to say no or whatever. But what they say is going to depend on what they can comprehend. Well, I'll tell you, I, I don't know if you happen to have seen it, but there was a clip CNN, a CNN reporter went down. I think it was Colorado, but I'm not sure it could be Colorado. It could be Oklahoma, but somewhere mm-hmm. out in the West. And he went into a restaurant and he asked, OK, so how many are going to be taking the shot? Raise your hand. He looks around, nobody raised their hand. So he starts mm-hmm. going to the tables. And the first table, the people look at him, they say, we don't trust the government. I don't want their vaccine. Go to another one. Not interested. I don't want to, I'm not interested. I'm not getting it. Goes to the third one. And he comes down and he says, what about if Donald Trump told you you really have to take the vaccine. It's so important. It's really Which he happens to be doing at the moment. You know what they told him? Who the hell cares about what Donald Trump wants? Yeah. He's in New York. Okay, they don't know he's in Florida. But yeah, the right. point is, those people have been painted as if all they are about is going with Donald Trump's, you know, apron spring. Sure. But right. that's not true. They're thinking for themselves. Yeah, that's incredible. Now, how many of those people would still have common sense if the government said, hmm, okay, it's approved? And how many people would would say it? Because they would, that, again, I would think that they would recognize that, yeah, it's approved because otherwise we won't take. I mean, people who, who don't have PhDs or MDs. Yeah are more independent in their opinions. Absolutely. They have more common sense left. Because the others have been brainwashed. A lot of the education is brainwashing. Now, the high, highly educated people are the most difficult ones to talk They're, to. That's right. Because, and they, they absolutely refuse to look at alternative, never mind just medicine, right. but alternative information sources, that are not corporate. They, and there's an interesting aspect of the, that psychology. They don't just disagree. They get no, mad. They don't want to hear. It's a big ego thing, you're like you're threatening their credentials or something. Yeah, and that's why they've painted those others, you know, uh, as as if they were you know, deplorables, remember? <laughs> I do, yeah. I'm yeah, still deplorables. So those deplorables are really, they're there. They're normal people, and they still have their wits about them, and they're using their common sense. Right. So what's going on with the millions of people that are going ahead and taking this injection? Look, I read so many things. I, I, I don't know. I, I know that many genuine uh, scientists, experts, see absolute potential um, devastation. Yeah, because just from the fact 
that when they tried, and they tried for more than 20 years to come up with a coronavirus vaccine. Right. And at that time, they tested it on animals. Yeah. And what happened was that when the animals, the, the vaccinated animals, were exposed to the virus, they got extremely sick and most of them died. That's and why that's I think what they're worried about. This. I don't think you can say this is an untested vaccine because of that. But then you were not supposed to go on in the human trials. And instead, they're doing a massive global experiment. Right. And they know what's going to happen. It's not to find out what happens. I, I believe so, too, based on the fact that they insisted on getting more than even the usual immunity. Those contracts that uh, under Trump, those contracts, Operation Warp Speed, right. they are totally behind a, a um, military curtain. Yeah. Total secrecy. Yeah. Because they're so wonderful that the average person wouldn't really even appreciate them. But you see, even the FDA officials were not involved. They, they, uh, I don't know how you do that. The the one who is, um, she was like the deputy really, because they don't have a head of the FDA. So she was on loan to be privy to the uh, deliberations about the uh, Operation Warp Speed contract. But the rest of FDA was not involved, not allowed to hear about. Yeah, interesting. So everything, in other words, all this secrecy and this enforcement with police, where there was a video about, terrible, terrible video, California, in a um, where Police and actually four different people were forcing um, disabled, um, developmentally disabled children and adults. Yeah, exactly. Against obviously against their will. That's T four. T four meaning what's T four? T four was the Nazi program where they uh, murdered first the disabled children. Yeah, the mentally ill, and then before they even got around to the Jews, it was the disabled. This was this was some of the. um, They tested some of different techniques for killing. Uh huh. So, what's the way to use that window so that it doesn't just keep just pushing through? People to to get people need to get together and and forget about. Other differences which we have, you know, sure. and really coalesce as a big coalition. I believe that, for example, I think that the biggest thing that African Americans did was when they followed Martin Luther King and marched on Washington. I mm-hmm. think that was a decisive, that made a difference. Yeah. Things changed. Uh, not like what they're doing now with Black Lives Matter and all that. That's, no, they're a communist to do with terrorist it. group, basically, to burn down cities. Yeah, I mean, this is a, that's a technique that ty- tyrannies do that. They, uh, yeah, they fund, they fund groups like that. Yes, and, th- and they were funded. <laughs> and then they say, well, there's groups like that with all this money, so we have to get more violent now. Yeah. 
But this is what people need to really, there are lots of small groups all over the country, but one needs, you know, the mass is needed. So organization without infiltration or censorship. Yeah. Basically try to get through those things. And you see it's happening in different places. In Europe, you know, you've got people. There's one lovely um, video in the Gare du Nord, which is a railway station in Paris. Uh And three musicians came in playing. And the next thing you know, the whole place broke out and danced. They danced for 10 minutes. They danced. And slowly, some of them took the masks off. Wow. They danced and were happy. Wow. And, and you then, when the police sort of came, they didn't, you know, they just, okay, they ended their <laughs> their time of freedom, you know, kind of. Yeah. Remembering to be happy and to, to enjoy life. That's That's what we're giving up. So something has to bring people together. Yes. So they're not just one person standing against a hundred. Yeah, it's very. I and I fully appreciate that it's very hard for one person, and yet there are times where one person, yeah, it's somebody has to start it. I guess right. In each group, there are people who do. You know, there are people who are doing it, but it's. uh, But this is a very big country, and I think that the that many people are actually kind of they are waiting for leadership. Yeah, even though theoretically everybody should, you know, be the leader themselves, the the reality of the psychology yeah. is that it starts when it's triggered by a leader. Yeah. yeah, it needs to be triggered. But but the point is, one of the problems always with small groups, you know, personalities. People are <laughs> people start bickering. People there's always melodies, something to fight about. Nobody wants to be, you know, the the, the head of the. T- Those things have to be dropped when it's a real emergency like this because yeah. this is this is now it's not about Jews it's not about Catholics not about blacks it's about the entire human race the human species whether yeah. we can be free or whether we will be just totally automated and some will be killed and the others will just be slaves coming out of that previous experience that we're supposed to learn from in history as a kind of emissary from from that experience, what would you tell public health and doctor people, especially public health? I really, I can't because they're really they're engaging in criminal actions in criminal policy. There, um, Ezekiel Emanuel. Yeah. He was the architect of Obamacare. He has written that old people should not be given basic medical care. Okay? Yeah. That's eugenics in a nutshell. He actually uh, has... um, Levels, age levels of who is valuable. So it's young, like teenagers and young adults. And then people up to 60 or 70, something like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the rest should not because it's too expensive. And they're of no value to society. Right. Yeah. No value to society. This is 
This is what should scare people the most because every one of us gets, you know, you hope you get to that point, right? And then somebody's going to. Well, you know, Bill Gates was explaining it very well. He said that the reason that we don't have enough teachers is because we've got all these old people that we're keeping alive. It's just so expensive. You see, there you go. All right. But, but okay, but get my point. Ezekiel Emanuel is a doctor. Right. And he right. is, you know, in, in, I don't know exactly what Biden is putting him on now, but he was on his team, the medical team, and he's right. been on er- everything. He's extremely uh, influential. Yes, and that's the danger. You the, these people are already imbued with and believe. Yeah, they are superior. They're the Übermenschen. That's what they used to call yeah, them in Nazi yeah. Germany. And we're all Untermenschen because we're not obedient. Right, and I'm agreeing with you because a lot of the search engines, especially the major yes. one, were saying who in answer to who's the world's number one doctor, it was Bill Gates. Yeah, <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> but okay, but he's not a doctor. The thing is, Anthony Fauci. The more that comes out about him negatively, yeah. that people realize he's flipping and flopping and flipping and flopping. He's getting right. all these awards. The Pope is going. Of to course. Award. I mean, that, that's how you. I've had that experience too, actually, with um, <clears throat> some years ago. Uh, I. Outed. Uh, this was psychiatrist at University of Maryland. They were doing ketamine experiments on patients with schizophrenia. Now, ketamine is a, um, um, what do you call it? It's, it's, it's used as an anesthetic, you know, as a, for, especially used in, in, um, um, veterinary applications too. Veterinary, yeah, but it also can be used in some. But it's got the thing about it though that it causes psychosis. And what would be the last thing in the world that somebody with schizophrenia needs is a drug that's going to bring up psychosis. Yeah. So, and I, I actually obtained the informed consent. It wound up being on the New York Times. At that time, the press wasn't quite as, <laughs> you know, under control as yeah. really. And so what do you think happened? So th- the story was pretty bad publicity for them. Uh, the Institute of Medicine... Um, brought them in as members to to kind of cover over sure. the shame. Yeah. So therefore, there was nothing wrong, right? Right, of course. It was all fine. That's the sort of, that's how insidious it is. And again, you would think, oh, the Institute of Medicine, you know, that's so prestigious, right? Now yeah. you know that all those names and that, not exactly. It, they do not deserve to be looked up to. Right. Right. Uh, You know, uh, how many others are are tainted with various... This was really a crime. And um, 
the um, the psychiatrist Carol Taminga. Uh, this was during. I brought it up first at the um, president's bioethics commission, something like that. They changed mm-hmm. names all the time. Yeah, and so they called her and interviewed her and asked her about the the study. And uh, one asked her, why would somebody volunteer to for an experiment that's going to make them psychotic? Yeah. She quickly didn't answer. They said, well, we'd like to see the record, the consent, whatever. The answer then was, see my lawyer. Yeah, that makes sense. That's it. So... That's why, you know, I was able to get it into the Times and all of that, because mm-hmm. there was enough, you know, not just what I was saying. It's, a, com- it's a common pattern in allopathic it, medicine that the, the medicine that you take for a disease is what causes either that disease or something worse. And especially in psychiatry, a lot of the, well, yes. the antidepressants and things like that, they cause depression and suicide and that's hom- right. homicide and, you know, the usual side effects. That's exactly right. And I have... Before COVID and all of that, I certain and before before I got involved with vaccines in any way, uh, I, I was really more focused on psychiatric. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- th- there too, there are parallels uh, between the children, the infants that are vaccinated at, at birth, starting at birth, and and this uh, schedule has mushroomed beyond any kind of. I mean, most right. of the vaccines that the, the child will never encounter, even will never be at risk for those. That's I mean, right, children. And, that, and that's aside from the question of whether they even do prevent the disease. Oh yeah, I'm not that's never mind that. But why all these? So, and I realized that in psychiatry. And this also goes back to Germany as well. Uh, other doctors for a long time, no longer, but for a long time, doctors really did want to do the best for their patient. They respected their patients. Sure. They felt themselves as, a, you know, like a priest. Uh, but not psychiatrists. Psychiatrists always detested their patients. They had no respect mm-hmm. for them because they saw them as untermenschen, as, as not... If you if you're if there's something wrong with your brain, then you were worthless. Yeah, yeah. And so they they're expendable. So you can do things to them, and they did horrific things, both experimentally and 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 you know wild experiments. Well, uh, and calling them experiments is sometimes polite because really they were you know forms of execution. But that's for grants, you see. Experiments. Yeah, it sounds really important. Grants. It's for the benefit of humanity. I, I have relatives who were killed with electric shock with okay. uh, so with you know. treat, treatment for uh, me, supposed mental condition. And they, you know, side effect is death, but it, it's really an advanced standard of care treatment. Well, the same thing you see now with vaccines. Yeah, children, the babies, the little ones. They can't defend themselves, and now you're not letting parents defend them. Right, right. The ideal so is you do whatever you want with them, and you exactly. keep on adding new vaccines, untested. Yes, yeah. it doesn't matter. The children have to be vaccinated. That's it. And this is, you know, since 1986, it really exploded because, again, 
the um, manufacturers got exemption from liability. Right. Yeah. In fact, that's that, it's a disincentive to follow safety standards. Right. Very yeah. simply, again, human nature is such that if you're not held accountable for doing things according to safety regulations, yeah, you don't do it. Well, I think what happens is you get presidents and people who are in charge, and they have big holes in their understanding. They might even have good intention, like Ronald Reagan was talking about a lot of really good things for the country, but it, but they got him to sign the waiver of yeah. all liability for vaccines. Yeah. Well, because it was sold. I spoke, you know, often to Barbara Lowe Fisher, who is yeah. really involved since the very beginning, and they were sold a bill of goods in a sense that it was sold that they would be safer, they would be getting protection and right. uh, and the uh, compensation if the child is harmed. Well, the yeah. first thing that they did was get rid of all of that and get rid of the need to do follow-up safety studies after it was launched. Yeah, they promised to improve every yes. one of them constantly. Exactly. Yeah. So that it was sold in such a way that you, you can't blame Reagan, per se, because... She was also hoodwinked, you see? Yeah, it's a circular thinking that the the vaccine companies come into Congress and the president and they say, you know, our it's a given our our therapy is life saving. It's everybody knows it saved millions of people throughout history. Therefore everyone needs it. <laughs> and the fact that everybody's dying from it and suing us is gonna stop everybody from getting this life saving yeah, treatment. And so we have to have li- liability protection. I know. It, again, it, it it was a matter of, which they all did, I guess, way in a utilitarian way. A lot of people are going to be healthy a few are not going to be, so we sacrifice the few for the. But they never actually prove the one or the other. No, and it's all lack count, of common. And they don't count the one. They don't allow. No. They, they have a very rigid, small table as to what, uh, who can be compensated. And it has nothing to do with really what the vaccines, today's vaccines are doing. Right. And they make sure that about one out of nine out of 10 never find the compensation anyway. And it's That's not reported. Right. Most don't even know. Parents don't even know of the existence of the court. A lot of doctors don't either. No, they don't write. They don't report and they don't know. And uh, it's a, you know, it's it, it's very much a, the, the, the table is tilted totally to one side. So if you had to look at what has to come back to people to get this consciousness within the time window that remains, I mean, part of it would be a retrieval of common sense, right? Yeah. And not just and really in terms of did we need to destroy all these local businesses so that Amazon can cash in and yeah. everything is bought online and the big techs are now, you know, everybody's using big tech. There's medicine, remote medicine, remote school, remote meetings. Rem- hey, and who, that is who, bringing in huge money. And who ordered all these lockdowns, too? You know, one of the misconceptions that's being taken advantage of is that every person like a city council uh, person or a mayor or a, a governor or a president has can just rule by executive order, even though 
it's a constitutional republic. Yeah. That's totally illegal. I know. And the, the executive order applies to their department and changing the pay or the hours or the conditions or, you know, making them do something different within. And that's supposed to use it to destroy democracy. And that's what. They yeah, do. because they figured, well, we haven't taught civics, what they used to call civics to the people for a long no. time. So they're not going to know that this is all illegal and we'll just do it. It's, um, yeah, part, well, look, I mean, um, Andrew Cuomo also contracted Bill Gates to take care of education in New York. After yeah. he messed up on the federal level, now he's right. try it again. Right. Uh, yeah, education is definitely a preparation, you know, for if you indoctrinate children, to, as you said, just reiterate what they're taught by the teacher, by the yeah. boy, and not to think. That's very important. Yeah, that's you know, and in in China they already have they have things that the teacher can tell when the child's not paying attention. What could be more demoralizing? Imagine you're taking away a child's most gifted children, right? Albert Einstein, you know, yeah. he wasn't a good student. No, they're not even interested in the school junk. And you so in a, in a way, one of the solutions is everybody pull the kids out of out of school and, and homeschool. Yeah. And if well, you can't do it alone, get together with a group of parents like they did in the frontier days when they set up a one room schoolhouse. Yeah, yeah. At all the ages of kids together and hired somebody that they trusted to teach them. And they were far more educated than now. Well, you see. Because they had, they were supposed to kind of find out for themselves a lot of things, <laughs> and well, yeah, but and the that's how invention, inventors, and all that. I mean, right? They had creativity you, and common sense. You would, ne- you won't get. That's why science is where it is now too, because you don't get real innovative thinking if you're in a box. Well, so if you can't talk to the public health people because they're pretty far gone into their religion of obedience to the agencies and the drug companies and stuff, what about the people who are still living in fear and feeling like everybody else is a possible source of deadly viruses? And you Well, know, you know what? We should, we should start re, re-reciting uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. You have nothing to fear but fear itself. This is what is paralyzing you. It isn't the virus. The virus can be taken care of. There are antiviral drugs that you can take, and they're curative. Yeah. They're curative. And why are doctors not allowed? Why are they forbidden from prescribing these drugs? Because they threaten the need for a vaccine. Sure. Exactly, and they especially undermine the need. Horrible things like vitamin D three and zinc. Yeah, and, yeah. He just and going outdoors with a mask is the height of stupidity. I mean, there is pure oxygen now. We even have pure oxygen in New York. You don't know that in the last ten, fifteen years, they actually have planted, you know, flowers and shrubs and trees all over Manhattan. You know, oh. little parks and in between, uh, like on Broadway and in Park Avenue and wherever. There are many of these mini parks. And all of that is absorbing 
the fumes from the cars. Right. It took right. them decades. I this I don't understand. I am not a scientist, mm-hmm. but a little bit of <laughs> you know, a little bit I learned. And yeah, the plants they clean the air. <laughs> it yeah. took them all this time. That's amazing. That was a smart invention. Isn't it? Yes. Yeah. God is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Pretty clever. <clears throat> but it so this is helping. I mean and by the way, this is Extremely important, really, in, in terms of this depressing time. Nature has been doing beautifully. Nature this year has been magnificent. Yeah. Everything is blooming, really, verdant and, and flowers. I mean, it's fantastic. Right. So that sort of, that's kind of a reminder to, listen, there really is a universe if we, you know, if we yeah. protect it. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they're, they're going crazy with this ridiculous carbon idea now, whereas carbon is the basis of this kind of life. It's, and there were millions of buffaloes running all over this Great Plains a long time ago, and they weren't causing climate change. It was Now, it's our ridiculous. breathing that's causing. Look, they, these yeah. are all gimmicks to uh, to transfer wealth. They want, you know, right. the middle it, class to be exterminated really if you can demonize carbon it really helps to get rid of people and there was a there was a bumper sticker in the 60s that said it just bro- boiled it all down to a simple plan it said save the earth kill yourself and i think you know that's basically the direction they'd like uh, this is just it i mean it, somebody else had reminded me that really it's 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 uh, i don't know what century that they began to talk about population control and you know that's not Nature takes care of things, too. Nature has its, you know, its tsunamis and its uh, uh, Vesuvius, you know. Uh, nature does its thing. That you can't control. But when it, it also control. has a lot of great remedies and ways to keep yourself healthy yeah. that don't, don't cost anything. And are of course, and it doesn't harm the environment. The point is, a healthy person, many healthy persons make a healthy society. Yeah, exactly. So you can start on yourself, I guess. And well, I, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of pressure. People have been used to follow, you know, advertisement. Once yeah. upon a time, people thought, so what if they tell me drink Coca-Cola? I don't want Coca-Cola. You know, now that's not the case. That would have been like the smartest person in the world nowadays. <laughs> Some kind of incredible genius. Yeah. Did you ever see the movie Idiocracy? No, but it sounds I, like we're I, in it. <laughs> it's, we're in idiocracy, too. That's very observant. <laughs> but I, I only took the time to watch it because it was banned in a lot of theaters. Oh. And it was basically where, you know, in the future, the world is being run by, they didn't say evil, which would have been more accurate, but at least these really unintelligent people. Uh-huh. And the only advantage I can see in a time like that, which we're in again, is, you know, not speaking of the rulers because they're doing it for the sake of evil, not stupidity. But the general public trying to be, you know, live as zombies. If you just develop a little bit of common sense, yeah, you're like a super genius by comparison. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Right? And you can do all these no, things. Absolutely. Uh, I think that also people need to, to feel a 
self-empowered to you know trust your instinct too yeah the power's there use the kind of things that have gotten you somewhere you know where you were successful in doing something how did you manage that it it wasn't that somebody sat you on that chair and people now are so they've been so bamboozled really about the idea that experts know and they don't they don't pay attention that those experts are wrong over and over they use you know a totally flawed test in order to create the idea that so many tests they weren't even infected no if you have common sense you're smarter than almost all the experts uh well yeah they they follow a script you know before we finish here, because I don't want to wipe you out totally. I, we have enough to talk. We could go for 10 more hours, which I'd like to do. But before we stop, um, let's, let's not forget to talk about the projects that your organization has done, because I was reading about those on your site, and a lot of great things have been accomplished. And, you know, talk a little bit about that, what you'd like to see happen next. Well, uh I began the organization first. It was another organization, you know, but as I said, there are tips and tips. Uh, really, mm-hmm. I, I had a son who had schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. So I had to deal with the mental health system. And that's how I got to really know first from the inside. And then I started to do research and, and uh, advocacy. Yeah. Uh, and somebody anonymously had sent me an article from the American Journal of Psychiatry and was about 28 veterans who uh, were brought into the Bronx VA. They had had schizophrenia, but they were in remission. They were living in the community. And the researchers took them off whatever they were on, whatever was helping them to function, and gave them L-DOPA hmm. and sent them back off into the community. And the purpose of the experiment was to document how long it would take for them to relapse. Uh, the experiment was a National Institute of Mental Health Funded, mm-hmm. carried out at Bronx VA and with an academic uh, team. Right. That's how it's done. The VAs have often served as laboratories. Yeah. I sent the, I was so horrified when I read it because I thought this is a Nazi experiment. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't believe it. I sent it to two psychiatrists, uh, one at LIJ, now that's changed names. I mean, you know, that's the other thing. There have been a lot of conglomerations as far as hospitals and teaching. And they said, yes, that I was reading it right. I said, am I reading this correctly? Am I getting something wrong? They said, no, it's true. So that was the first complaint that I filed with the Federal Office of Human Research Protection. It took them four years to investigate. Wow. And they corroborated that this was unethical against federal regulations. Mm. They also found 
that three of the veterans became violent when they had a psychotic group. So now that was on their record, thanks to the psychiatrist. And, you know, nothing really happened to them. That's one of the things that I said earlier, that the Nuremberg Code holds doctors responsible for doing wrong, for violating um, moral requirements. Uh-huh. Here, nothing happened. In, In fact, other words, it's, the, it's the, not a U.S. law. It's just a principle kind of These like. are, well, uh, but there are U.S. regulations, and they they can nitpick a lot of things. You know, it, it's really right. like the changing the uh, placement of the chairs on the uh uh, what's the ship again? Titanic, yeah. You know. Titanic was the ocean line. Titanic, yeah. Right. That's just it. it. That's They do mostly that. That's what IRB is doing. It. Right. But the actual, you know, the horrendous, that's nothing. Well, I got involved in that because I realized this is like a whole snake pit. And then I started to focus particularly on children. And African-American boys, especially little boys, they, they, they think nothing of using little children to try to prove that these innocent, nonviolent children are going to be violent in the future. This is the kind of experimentation that is done by government, government money. We pay for it, taxpayers. Right. So, again, this is the eugenics outlook. In other words, they want to prove that these children, even though they're nice little boys now and teacher didn't say anything about six years old, six to 11, that they're going to be violent in the future. And they gave them fen-fen, which eventually was pulled off the market because it caused heart valve damage. Hmm. Uh, The researcher main researcher was Columbia University. He became head of a division at the NIMH. Yeah, he was rewarded for that work. So, many years ago, I first used to talk about it as the, you know, rotten apples in the barrel. Mm -hmm. And Jay Katz, who was both he was both a physician, actually a psychiatrist, I think, and a lawyer, and he taught both at Yale. And he was on the uh, commission that um, issued the Belmont Report, and very, very prominent. Okay. Yeah. And at one conference, we were, you know, and I used the uh, rotten apple analogy, and he came over to me and said, Vera, if it was just rotten apples, there would be no problem. It's the whole system. It's the whole system. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, that made me get more, it emboldened me, let's put it that way, because, right. you know, I, well, I was trying to tread, you know, oh, it's not all of you, but it's just, you know, a few of you. And he said, no, that wouldn't be a problem. Right. So 
at what point in there did you start the organization? And why don't you tell people what the name of it is and what it's for? Oh, sure. It's the Alliance for Human Research Protection. The uh, website is www.ahrp.org. And you'll find lots and lots of information about ethics, about uh, research, uh, both current and past. Uh, there's a lot of material also about the Holocaust. There's material about the experimentation that the Japanese did during World War II. Uh, it's it's not a pretty picture. It, and the trouble is that not enough people know about it. Right. Yeah, it's never in the news. It's, yeah, this is uh, because it's the underbelly of medical research. And what these examples show is the absolute need for standards to be established and to be followed, to be implemented, and in fact, really, you know, punished for yeah. violations. Without punishment, we know that in any law, you could have laws on the book, but if you're not enforcing them, then they don't right. they don't exist. If all the enforcers in the courts and everybody is corrupted, then it's a little yeah. difficult to see that. Very difficult, and especially the people who are being abused don't have a voice and they don't have credibility in the court. That's how they're chosen, right? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So what do you want people to do to support what you're doing and stay in touch with it? And well, what, can, what can be done? Well, you, you know, if we, if we get real support, I mean, then we could hire staff and things. We don't have that. Okay. Uh, you know, that's, but right now I think, Really, um, people need to do some of their own research, their own reading. There are a lot of websites that have incredibly solid information as it's coming out yeah. that you're not getting from CNN or from NBC or from PBS. I mean, all of them are, they all are beholden to their funders, and their funders are the big corporations well, you, and the, government. The people that have been watching the standard news channels the whole time, I don't think most of them have any idea what these good sources that you're talking about are. I mean, where do they look? Well, I guess I sh we should put a list together and put it on the website. I think that would be really worthwhile. Okay, giving me an idea that it's long overdue, I guess. Yeah, because we're we're talking to right, you know, a select audience that already knows about this stuff, and I like to bring in everybody else uh -huh. because the change we're looking for is to reach the people that aren't currently aware yes. of this stuff, right? Yes, that's true. Exactly. It, it's people. People need to realize that there really are many people out there who are also thinking along these lines. They just aren't expressing it. Yeah. We see this, for example, as far as the uh, vaccination goes, the <laughs> frontline doctors and nurses yeah. and workers in nursing homes, they're not taking it. Right. Why? Because they're seeing the casualties. And there they're are people... with their own eyes. 
Yeah, and those are good people. And I'm saying that there are people within all aspects of the machine working in the establishment that aren't doing it because they're necessarily evil. They just they've been no. trained for it. No, no, and no. and some of those they're, some, they're I'm sorry. orders. They're following orders. Yeah, exactly. But they don't they've been trained that that's what you do in your life. Yes. And so some of those people are working as censors that are watching what we're doing. Yeah. And are making sure it doesn't reach anybody. What could you say to those people, the ones that are not totally gone, to to consider? To consider that their conscience is absolutely going to hound them when things really get bad. They'll remember what they did, right? And didn't do. What they didn't do. Yeah. Yeah. Look, many people in Germany are very. I'm tuned in very uh, I have fans in Germany yeah yeah and I often say it to them and they agree it took three generations oh wait three generations from the Holocaust from 1945 to now mm-hmm. for the German people to really come to terms with what was done what and what their grandparents didn't do. Right, yeah, exactly. What their grandparents didn't do was to stand up to the Nazis. And as difficult, yes, as it was, and we're seeing it here, yet, you know, people aren't yet being shot against the wall, but it'll be done differently here. Yeah. Technology is different. But the point is, where were you? And I've spoken to some who, yeah, they actually had that kind of a conversation. Yeah. Where were you? What? How could you let this happen? So you could put yourself in the future in your imagination, thinking back to now. Yes. And, and somebody was asking you, what What were you doing at that yeah, time? Yeah, but your grandchildren. Remember, keep it personal. Yeah. How could you look your grandchildren in the face? Right, yeah, exactly. And they're the ones asking you what you they're did. They're the ones who'll be asking. And you, and you don't want to say, well, I was working really hard censoring everybody who was going against the government. Yeah. You know, you might want to. And I then at that time, and you're, you're 150 years old, and you're saying, wow, look at what I did. I wish I could just be given a chance to go all the way back yeah. like to 2021 and do it over again. And so that wish was granted. And here you are. It's 2021 again. What are you going to do this time? People need to understand that the, by not following their good conscience, you know, they are, they're participants. Yeah. They're culpable. And you can change that anytime you want. That's right. It's not too late for anybody. That's right. This is the, you know, this is, I mean, we know that. You know, those certainly who believe in God. Yeah. You have the choice, free choice. Well, there are some people who think they've made a, like in entertainment, for example, there are people who have been uh, led to make conscious uh, agreements with the dark force and they think they're co- uh, controlled by it now. And the secret they don't know is you can get out of that anytime you want because mm-hmm. that was not informed consent mm-hmm. on a different level. You change whenever you, whenever I mean, you're you're Informed consent is to ensure that your dignity as a free human being is honored. Yeah. It is really your defense 
weapon. <laughs> AHRP.org. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the billionaires watching should donate money to it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> there are theoretically, potentially, common sense and, and benevolent. Yeah. Not, not I mean, fake. There are good people, people and you need to... They're out there. And if yeah. they think there's no use in supporting anything, that's not true. That's right. And you're going to look back on what you supported and didn't support and think about what you well, wish. Well, I'll tell you, part of the what is true part, in a personal way, uh, when I came to this country, I was by then 11, 10 and a half, I looked around and I thought to myself, oh, my God, where was everybody? Where was everybody while we were there? Right. Why did my father have to die? Where, I was so angry. Yeah. Where, because I came to New York, and, you know, New York is a pretty uh, affluent place, really. Right. And I couldn't believe. So as I, you know, gained more experience, got older, uh, I realized yeah, p- things happen out there and people elsewhere are living their normal life and it doesn't affect them. But I decided somehow or other, not necessarily consciously, that I couldn't do that. If I witnessed evil, I will not keep quiet. Yeah. Which is why I went into, you know, the the psychiatry stuff and all that to expose it. It's the same spirit that got you into the different boat and said, no, I'm going with the family, not with the other kids. That's right. That's right. And that's something, you know, you know, I wasn't exactly prepped for it, but it just, that was something that I insisted. Yeah. So everybody who's watching this and who will has that exact same spirit in them. It's just covered up for the moment, maybe. And that can change in any minute that you decide. Oh, yeah. That can change any time. Yeah. I mean, as long as we're not enslaved in our minds. Right. And if you realize you're enslaved, you can break out. Yeah. And uh, probably the best time to do that would be now before you forget Mm -hmm. self-assessment and change everything. Yeah. So hold on and we'll say goodbye in the break here. So that was Vera Sharav and a pretty incredible heavy-duty discussion, I thought. I hope you guys got something out of it. We can't really hope that it was fun to listen to or entertaining or any of that kind of stuff, but it was really important um, not to just feel bad about what happened decades and decades ago in World War II, but the wake-up call that it's, it's happening now in a higher tech form and a more global form than it was before and the the depth of uh, evil that was happening back then with the western banks and associations and governments of different kinds supporting the rise of uh, tyranny in germany and spreading from there is um the, it's even deeper now and it's much more sophisticated Technology, obviously, is much more advanced. Some of the same uh, players and corporate players are involved. Certainly, the central banks are involved. It brings up so many points that we could do endless shows on, on that one topic and things that come out of it. But certainly one thing that that reminds me of 
just looking at the corporate support for the rise of socialism, fascism in Germany, is that I, I don't think it's all motivated by money. There's, there are levels above money, but at the money level, which is vast, all the corporate and banking interests doing things for money, it, sh- it just shows that too many of them have gotten to a point where there's no ethics anymore. It's just money and power. And they've justified to themselves that they're doing that. And, and kind of like uh, Ronald Bernard, that man who got out of high-level banking just in time, that we still hope will come on the show eventually, he was saying that he was advised as he rose in the levels of investment and banking and international finance that he had to put his conscience in the deep freeze, 100 below zero, because of things that they were going to be doing to individuals and to whole countries to consolidate money and power, a normal person would not be able to do it. So as part of the requirement to get into high-level business financing and banking, he had to learn to cut off his conscience and he tried and failed, and that was fortunate for him. He actually was able to get out and stay alive. <clears throat> Should talk to him soon. Anyway, the same thing is happening now. You've got all the people involved in these different branches of government in on it for the perks and the financial rewards and the power that they can get rather than having any concern for the ethics. And I think a lot of those people consider ethics as just a joke that there's no real morality except domination and power and as much money as possible. That's happening now. And what those people in charge of the destruction of the world know at the top levels, only at the really top levels, I think, do they know this, but they're aware that the power that you're holding, unknown to most of us and to yourself, as a regular person, is way stronger than the power of these people that have sold out to evil because when you do that, there are limits on what you can do. It's a law of nature. And then if you're not hating anybody, this is why I suggest not even hating the really obvious bad people because it does something to your consciousness to hate anybody. It's a frequency issue and you don't want to do that. And it turns out that hate and fear are completely useless anyway. You're much more effective without them. And if we become aware of what we're walking around with, open up the blocks to that flowing through us, then it's still not too late, as Vera was saying, to turn around what's going on and start healing the damage that's been going on for thousands of years. And I think we, you know, whether or not we have time to finish it, It feels much better to do everything we can to try, and that's what I'm suggesting that we do. Now, uh, stay in touch with Vera's work at Alliance um, for Health Research. Uh, I can't read my own writing. Uh, Protection, I think the last word is. Alliance for for Human Research Protection. So it's ahrp.org, ahrp.org, Alliance for Human Research Protection. And the reason that I think she named it that is she sees the so-called research, which is 
probably just human uh, abuse, you know, going on all throughout the so-called medical and scientific worlds needs to be exposed and prevented and stopped. And she's doing a lot of great work with that, contributing everything she can think of to prevent another Holocaust on a much, much bigger scale than the last one that was recognized as a Holocaust in Germany in World War II. And I think the one that's going on now has already surpassed that one, but plans are to make it much bigger, and I think it would be better not to have those plans uh, come to fruition. And the power to stop them is in our hands. And we're publishing a lot of articles and videos every day on lostartsradio.com. Some of those in increasing numbers now are showing up as positive uh, stories. There was one I think I sent Doug to put in the site last night, and it's about a school board uh, in Vail, Arizona, which is down in the southern part of the state. And the usual insane things were being put into uh, policy by the school board in Pima County, Arizona. And the parents got really upset, which is normal. It's what they should do. And they just flooded the meeting and the school uh, board, I guess it is supervisors or whatever they called them in Pima County, uh, just ran away and left and they figured the meeting would be shut down. And the, some of the people, some of the parents that came to take over that meeting knew the law and they said, no, we're not going to shut it down under the statutes that are on the books right now and the policies that are enacted into law in Arizona. The meeting is still going on, and since the old board ran away and abandoned their posts when a meeting was happening, we can elect new ones, and they elected new ones on the spot. They took over. They got rid of the mask mandates and some other things right on the spot, and it was an example, and everybody should be studying those examples and using creativity and imagination to see the other examples of what could be done because the real power has never been in the hands of people doing evil. They just look scary and intimidating, but it's because we're staying, you know, we're agreeing to be completely unconscious. And it might be a good time to reverse that policy on our part and start being aware of who we've always been and acting up to it at this point because the whole power is in your hands. And it's not power for destruction and for you know going and trying to harm the bad guys or anything like that it's much stronger than that it's the power to let the original consciousness and force and spirit flow through you and take over basically everything that you're doing and the bad guys don't have a chance if their brainwashing doesn't stop us from doing that so i'm suggesting you know the real meaning of the term waking up is not just being able to list everything bad that's going on. That's not waking up at all. Waking up is self-awareness on a level that we haven't had before. And it's been waiting, so I suggest we do it. Anyway, I told you the site, ahrp.org. That's Vera's site to go to. Support it. If you're a friendly billionaire or you've got any discretionary capital that would be useful to her, it's a great cause to support um, you might want to help us if you've got money, too, to stay on the air and do our project. You can donate at lostartsradio.com. There's a donate button or at 
um, lostartsresearchinstitute.org or at subscribestar.com slash lostartsradio. That would be greatly appreciated. And, you know, this is our Sunday show. We've got incredible people and organizations on the show every week for inspiration and not just to say, oh, that was interesting, but to say, all right, I saw that great show. What does that mean I should do in my life now so that I don't blow away the time that's so important and I'll realize the importance of it later when my life is over? Why not realize it now when your life is not over and see what you can actually do that is healing for the world and for the people around you? And and it starts with transforming yourself. It's like Michael Jackson's song, Man in the Mirror or Woman in the Mirror, Child in the Mirror, whoever you might be. Whatever you do on, to change yourself in a positive direction is the most powerful way to change everybody else by example. So that's one thing. And um, Planetary Healing Club meets on Saturday after our current events related show which is called lost arts radio live 4 30 pacific 7 30 eastern time saturdays and then after the lost arts radio live show is finished there half an hour later we have our private interactive meeting for people that want to get more deeply into all this stuff and and actually work on yourself in a way that opens up the power that has been sitting there waiting for healing so anyway, that's what I wanted to remind you about, planetaryhealingclub.com, and share the shows if you can. We're fighting the censors, and it would be greatly appreciated, even if there's no, you know, if you're not in a position to donate money, please don't. Just take care of yourself and your family, but share the shows, and that'll help us stay longer on some of these platforms that we may eventually leave, but for now bringing people from there over to the the free speech platforms would be a really good step, and you can help us do that by just sharing the, sharing the links. I think that's about it. So take care of yourself. Value yourself. Don't hold it against yourself. What you may have mistakes you've done in the past, just don't do them anymore. You know, use your time well. And uh, have a good week, and we'll meet you here next time. Talk to you soon. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to Subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level, from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month, to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. 
You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on big text platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows, except the banned ones, are on our YouTube channel, at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit Brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum, as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with. Don't care what people say All I want to do is walk my way And get ready to be surprised Things don't look too good these days Humankind's chasing its own tail But get ready to be surprised I don't care about the Baby, get ready to be surprised Don't care what people say All I want to do is live for today And get ready Now it's time to let it all go Feel the love 
about you and get ready to be surprised. 